this summer. Your local movie theater will become a tent revival for proclaiming Jesus. And you're invited to be a part of this unique evangelistic campaign. Join with Believers Nationwide for the Million Souls Campaign to bring unsaved family and friends to watch the powerful new movie, The Firing Squad, starring Kevin Sorbo and Cuba Gooding Jr. The Firing Squad tells the incredible true story about prisoners who find faith in the face of execution and transform their prison in the process. As the movie ends, co-star Kevin Sorbo comes on the screen to lead the entire theater in a prayer to commit one's life to Jesus Christ, providing an on-site opportunity to introduce family and friends to the message of Jesus. Go to FiringSquadFilm.com and learn how you can receive free tickets and more to the Firing Squad and participate in this unique theater event. Bring your friends and your family and bring your faith. That's FiringSquadFilm.com to learn more. Hey, welcome back. It's a new year, new show, new theme, new attitude. And uh, we take on the heavy things like Keanu Reeves. Also, also COVID and my predictions for 2022. All on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to a new year in the Glenn Beck program. We just told you about what science is now saying about COVID. What the, I should say, what the scientists are now saying about COVID. Uh, what the CDC, what Joe Biden has come out and said. Over the last two weeks, they've come out and basically said, uh, yeah, everything that, uh, you know, everything that we've been, we've been saying about masks and and, uh, you know, 10 day uh, quarantines and, uh, you know, the immune system all wrong. Well, we've known this. We've known this. The the thing that really concerns me is that there is no humility put in with that. There's no humility of, uh, gosh, you know, we 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 have some new information now and, you know, we were doing our best. And we've demonized a lot of people about this vaccine. And we've said a lot of people were going to kill everybody and and everything else. And that's we were wrong on that. We shouldn't have demonized because some of the things that they were saying is true. For instance, this, this and this. Now, that doesn't make everything that they said was true. But we now know these things are true. And so we're changing policies. That would be perfectly reasonable in a society that treats everyone with respect be perfectly reasonable and we wouldn't in that society you wouldn't have to say aha because it would be an honest exchange of information but these people still want to be the gatekeepers of all of the information think how many people have been um kicked off of twitter or facebook or youtube because they said the things that now Fauci and the CDC are saying. We now know there are, there are a few conspiracy theories that in 2021 we learned are not necessarily conspiracy theories. Now, this doesn't make the entire thing true, but let me take a couple of the big ones. Did you even know that they released uh, a CIA uh, memo from the CIA chief uh, 
that says Oswald called the Soviet embassy in Mexico in the 1st of October, identifying himself by name and speaking broken Russian. So we now know that he was reaching out to the Soviets and asking them, how can I help you? Now, that doesn't mean that the Soviets were responsible or had anything to do with the assassination. But that does mean that those people who vilified everyone who said, you know, there's there's real evidence that he went down to Mexico and he was at the Soviet embassy, that those people were right. How about the UFO conspiracy? The government has been telling you that these things are all made up or they're 100% explainable. And they didn't have the ability to say that. But apparently they just didn't want you to freak out. So they, they made it into a conspiracy theory that UFOs uh, don't exist. Yada, yada, yada. These people are all crazy. Well, no. Apparently, they're not. The Pentagon last uh, last year confirmed they have documented themselves and tracked 144 flying objects. Just on June 25th, they made this and they said it has, they have no explanation for them. It's technology that they that they believe no one on Earth has it defies all physics. Then they came out and said, oh, and by the way, we have some otherworldly uh, pieces of some of these machines, and we're trying to reverse engineer. Well, that's kind of a big deal, huh? Did you see over the holiday, they doubled down on that, and they're asking for help from scientists to gather together and try to reverse engineer because they're not making a lot of progress. That came out over the holiday. Nobody seemed. Oh, another thing. They are also uh, doing polling with all of the world's major religions to find out how people are going to react if it's confirmed that there is alien life. These are conspiracy theories. These are these are uh, notes from the Pentagon. These are rele- press releases from the Pentagon. So there's another conspiracy theory that you were made to feel like you were an idiot if you believed any of it. And I'm not saying that we believe in little green men. I have no idea what's going on. But the government didn't either. They didn't until, I think, 2006 have the technology to be able to track any of these things. The reason why they are admitting it now is because in 2006, they could track it from three different points. Now they know the speed. Now they know exactly what these things can do. Stop and start on a dime. Things that just can't happen physically that we know. Last year, we also found out. That the Wuhan leak theory at least earned the backing of one U.S. government department. We now know that we should probably look into that because 
it had some credibility to it. But you were banned. You were banned for even saying that. You were a conspiracy theorist. Last year, we found out that Hunter Biden's laptop is not disinformation. It's not disinformation. It's real. And we're about to find out this week or next week uh, how bad things really are in that laptop. See, the problem is not these things are coming true or that are now being verified are true. The problem is the gatekeepers who said they were not true and were vilifying everyone are the same gatekeepers today. So nothing changes. And in fact, they're burying a lot of these things. You know, people said last year, I'm not taking because there's a chip inside the vaccine. That's crazy. It is crazy. There is no vaccine with a tracking chip in it. However, we just found out that Sweden is implanting tracking chips and chips into people's arms. They are volunteering for it. It's not a conspiracy. They're out in the open. Hey, who wants to have a vaccine passport and be able to pay all of your bills with your wrist? Oh, and uh, and we'll be able to track you in case you get lost and all of your vital signs will be uh, uh, beamed into a central hub. Congratulations. Well, that's really bad. But the Swedes don't think so. And so the Swedes are doing the digital passport with a chip implant. And other countries are starting to consider it. So you can see how that gave birth to this conspiracy theory. The other thing that gave birth to that conspiracy theory is the fact that the government was telling us things that we know aren't true. You've had it. Well, you still need the vaccine. Why? My immune system should be able to handle this. Nope, 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 nothing. No, no immune system. It doesn't work like that. Wait, I've learned my whole life that's how the immune system works. I, I know that's how it works. Nope, nope, this is different. That's the kind of stuff that leads to conspiracy theories. That's why it's so important that the guardians, the gatekeepers of information, are fully discredited and dismissed. Because they can't, they have no credibility. And this is, let me, let me speak to those people who are in science, who are doctors, who are in the media. This is vital for the survival of the human race. We are entering a time by 2030, the world will be completely different because of AI. Completely different. We need to have someone that we trust. I've done a lot of reading over the uh, holiday. And I'm telling you. I'm going to make a case here in the next couple of weeks. They have known 
that this great reset was coming. This is their answer for something that they've never talked to you about. And it is so important that somebody tells you what's coming your way and then tells you what you can do about it. And there are things you can do. But listening to the so-called experts is not necessarily one of them because they're the same experts that have said they're going to wipe out the coronavirus. When we were all saying, no, it's going to end up like the flu. It will probably be with us forever. Because that's the way the world and viruses work. They knew this. They knew this. They had another agenda. We don't have an agenda except for the truth. And quite honestly, you know this because I've done it before. I've told you something was absolutely true. And the minute I found out that it was not true, I admitted it. No matter how much humiliation and everything else that went along with it, I told you I was wrong on that. Because that's the only way you can keep credibility. And that's vital. You must be a man or woman of your of your word. You must let your yes be yes and your no be no. We have to be humble enough to be able to admit when we're wrong. And when people admit that they're wrong and say, gosh, I really got this wrong. We need to be able to say, good, welcome to the club. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. So let's start with some questions. Before you can find the right answer, you have to ask the right question. So what questions did we ask in 21, and did we find any meaningful answers? Well... It's weird because last year I felt that enough people began to stand up. They felt, okay, all right, okay. I have to stand up for some basic things. For instance, men and women are different. They're two genders and they're different. So we stood up for that. Maybe, perhaps, in 2022, we can explain why those differences matter. And how those differences actually improve each of our lives. It's important to put these principles into action and explain why certain things are the way they are. Last year, we had to assert (laughs) that all the things uh, that are American are not racists. We spent a lot of time saying to the rest of the world, we're not racist, we're not oppressive, we're not, you know, motivated by some arbitrary need for power. We're not terrorists. This year, I would like to see us focus on what we are as opposed to what we are not. And I'm going to talk about my six predictions coming up in just a second, but some of them are based on, um, on politics. And 
I will tell you that the winning candidates will be the ones that focus on what we are. You can say, I'm tired of this, this, and this, because that doesn't under, that you don't understand who we are. This is who we are. That was the beginning of the Declaration of Independence. Hey, look, we're breaking away because you don't really understand us. You think that we're in rebellion because of this and that. We're not. We have no animosity towards you. We just believe and hold these things to be self-evident. It's time for us to restate those self-evident truths. Last year, we realized the traditions we love were slipping away. This year, let's ask ourselves which traditions are worth preserving and which ones aren't. And how do we sort out the difference? Last year, I think so many of us felt the system had and perhaps we had failed our children. This year, what do America's children need to lead a meaningful life? What do they need from us? What can we hope for them? I did a lot of reading on this particular topic uh, over the uh, over the holiday. And probably by the late this week, I'm going to get into some of that. In 2021, we face the absolute fact that there are increasing numbers of Americans that are not proud to be an American. In 2022, Perhaps we can explore what level of patriotism is necessary in a free republic. In 2021, we faced the choice between freedom and security. I don't think we made the right decision. Should we ask that question again? Americans last year faced a crisis of meaning. When the things we thought we could rely on became unreliable. When everything that we thought was solid was liquid and everything liquid became solid. We crumbled. It seems we, we placed our faith in the wrong things. And for all of our modern focus on meaning and purpose, it seems like we have lost our consensus on what actually matters and has meaning. This year, where should we place our faith? Where do we get our meaning? And it's going to take us into a different place when we have that discussion. I I don't think we're prepared to answer those questions today. Maybe you can. Maybe you've been shouting the answers at the radio. But if 2021 taught me anything, it's that we, we don't have the answers. We don't know how society is going to react and i'm not sure we even know what the right questions are because this is a new territory for all of us we have to look to history first history book ever written in second chronicles it says if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. The key to this is humility. And I am going to try really hard to enter 2022 with humility. And I ask that you would join me. There is truth 
and we can find it. We haven't found it yet. Not sure we'll be able to find all the truth in 2022, but we can at least continue to take steps towards it because the quest for truth is the great adventure of being human. The journey is the point. Without having all of the answers and sometimes none of the answers. But when we focus on the journey, the search for, we can enter this next leg of our journey with joy, hope, and optimism. So when you look at the poll numbers um, for President Biden, his, his first year in office, what do people say? According to Rasmussen, uh, it, probably uh, not, not the best, you know, suboptimal for President Biden, uh, suboptimal. Uh, they say this is the worst rated year for Americans in more than a decade of asking this question. Uh, 74% said 2021 was fair to poor with 48% calling it poor. 23% said best year ever. I don't know who those 20, maybe AOC who is just so hot. That's the only reason why I tease her. She is so hot. That is literally, well, that's what she's pretty much what she said. It right? is. She thinks that people don't like her because she's too hot. I, I don't. I don't hate me because I'm beautiful. It. Yeah, it's like <laughs> legitimately a joke commercial from the '80s. No one, no one's, no one's concerned with your yeah. hotness, dear. No, no. Uh, all right, sixty-three percent of Democrats agreed that it was a fair to poor year. Sixty-three percent of Democrats. 50% expect 2022 to be fair or poor. 41% say, oh, it's going to be the best ever. Uh, the things that are making things worse, 48 to 20, say is it's they're worse off economically this year than they were before. Uh, another 28% said their finances were about the same. Uh, this is... Um, this is the, the worst they've seen in 10 years, which... Brings me to my first prediction. Let me give you a couple of stats here. The GOP uh, in the Cook political report shows that they are the clear favorite to take control of the U.S. House in 2022 midterms. Three Democratic districts have fallen in the lean Republican column, while another two are likely Republican. Meanwhile, just one Republican-held district currently leans towards Democrats. Uh, this is a nonpartisan uh, outlet dedicated to analyzing predicting elections, publishing projections showing Democrats will be forced to defend eight toss-up districts across seven states, Republicans needing to defend six toss-up seats in four states. The, the other piece of information I want to give you before the prediction, 45% of independents want the GOP in charge of the House and the Senate. A new poll indicates that self-described independent voters would prefer by an 18 percentage point margin that the Republicans regain control of the Congress. Zogby released last week. 45% of independents want GOP in charge of the House and Senate compared to 27% who want Democrats to keep the majority. The remaining 28% said, I don't know. Same survey found Republicans held a three-point advantage, 46 to 
Uh, Zogby said, in my four decades of polling, Democrats need about a five percentage point advantage in nationwide congressional preference in order to maintain a majority of Congress. Signs today are pointing to a big Republican advantage going into 2022 with Biden's approval rating. Uh, by the way, in Zogby's poll, it was um, 46%, which is higher than a lot of other uh, polls that show him now in the low 40s or, uh, and uh, upper, I'm sorry, upper 30s and low 40s. Uh, 52% disapprove of his performance. The reason why I point this out is that Zogby pointed out 40% of the respondents, 40% say they strongly disapprove of his work that is i believe the um uh the worst performance zogby has seen so here's my first prediction what do you think it's going to be i don't know i'm i'm holding on to my seat as as, as usual republicans will always find a way to screw it up <laughs> okay okay there is no reason why they shouldn't win but my prediction is Republicans always find a way hmm. to screw it up. Now, that is true once they win, right? But oh, you're saying no. are, how are many you... times have they just snatched victory out of the jaws of defeat? Or the other, or way, the other way around. Yes. Snatched <laughs> defeat out of the jaws of victory. Many times they've Many done times. that. I will say, though, usually they've done pretty well in midterm elections. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you remember, 2010 mm -hmm. was the sort of Tea Party wave election year, which was the first midterm post-Obama. Uh, so with, with, everything I'm, with everything I'm saying today, mm -hmm. I, I want you to take it with this grain of salt. Have you noticed how fast time is moving? Doesn't seem like like the last two years it flew by, right? Flew by you're in like, some ways. Only one year. Yeah. In other yes. ways, it seemed endless. <laughs> it seemed endless. Yeah. It seems to fly by. That is an indication that you're busy. That that's an indication that there's so many things happening that we're losing track of time. Okay? Uh and because of that, uh it seems like it never ends, right? Lost track of time, but it seems like it's lasting forever. That's because the rate of change is so high. So with that being said, anything can happen. And I'm leaning towards the Republicans can screw this up because, well, because of a, another prediction, um, BBB will pass. I think the uh, Build Back Better bill will pass some in some form or another. It's going to pass. They're going to bring it back and it will pass. There are already indications that Joe Manchin is, you know, I, I know I said I would vote for it, but what if you change something in it and then I could vote for it? He's already having those conversations. He wants to get there's a couple of uh, clauses in there that he doesn't particularly like, but if if they those are changed he's saying he might very well go along with it and vote for it so the idea that this was dead is now a, a former a former truth that we knew and i never ever you said from the beginning joe manchin yeah i never believe he's going to save us and also i still think they're going to come around there's no there's no way they're going to leave a trillion dollars of spending 
on the table nope with with only needing 50 votes to get this through they'll figure out some way to spend it it may it may very well not be as good as they imagined but it will be it'll be as bad as we imagined yes it will be at least <laughs> as bad as we imagined right, right. a cut down version um and that could change things uh for the republicans um the covid scare is over it is over the what do you mean by that? Uh, well, A, I believe Omicron is going to be the dominant variant now. And it is already the dominant variant. But I don't but think it's going to, it's not going to get worse from here. I don't think. I mean, the next few weeks, next few weeks. I'm talking about in the next few months, it's not, we're not going to find a new variant that is like, you know, your eyes start to bleed and you're dead within 36 hours. It's not happening. If this becomes the dominant variant, it's going to become like the flu. And you will get it. What a surprise. I feel like, I mean, I think it was on this show uh, two years ago when we first talked about it. And I said, if it becomes the pandemic, you know, this could be it. If it could, it's going to kind of probably end up being like the flu eventually. God knows how many people will die. Right. But you go through a really, this is what happened with, you know, the flu. Yeah. <laughs> when we right. had two terrible years and a lot of people died a lot more than than in, in with covid thankfully and then it was um, then petered out and, and then it, it became the flu and it became this thing that we deal with all the time which Correct. is not positive by any means but not life-altering even chris hayes did a monologue recently where he said hey you know look this is turning into something that we're going to live with and the flu sucks and it kills tens of thousands of people a year but you know that's where we're, we're getting closer and closer to that outcome that reality so now there's a there's a difference here. I want to say that the COVID scare is over, and there's a couple of uh, portions to this. Uh, the first one is the skepticism of those in power, scientists and doctors, is going to fall. It's already falling, but I mean it has a chance of falling to the press levels, which is in the slight double digits. Or in some in some regards, or in some polls, you'll see it in single digits. Wait, your wording confuses me. There, you said the skepticism, or you're saying the credibility of of the these credibility. We will okay. be much more skeptical, okay. and the credibility is almost destroyed. That plays into anything that is real that is coming our way down the road. But the next big health scare. Nobody's going to believe, unfortunately, because the credibility has been so destroyed. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Justin Haskins is a um, is a guy that I. I found years and years ago when he was very young and uh, he, he started a website stopping socialism. And I was intrigued by this young man and what he was doing. And I've been following him for a while. He's now the editorial director and research fellow at the Heartland Institute. Uh, and uh, he's a co-author of the new book, The Great Reset, which comes out next week. Justin, welcome to the program. Happy New Year, Glenn. How are you? <laughs> well, it would be 
uh, more Happy New Year if I wasn't starting it with what I know we're we're going to start talking about right now. Yeah, let's kill that New Year's optimism <laughs> right off the bat. Let's just let's, it in yeah. the bed. Let's just kill it right Yeah, off the it's bed. like it's like old Yeller in the barn. And like, please don't make <laughs> me shoot him, but we have to put him down. Uh, on December, what was it, sixth or eighth, something like that. A ten-country, yeah, I believe it's first week of December. Yep, a ten-country simulation of a major cyber attack on the global financial system, uh, in an attempt to increase cooperation that could help minimize any potential damage to financial markets and banks, was run. Now, this happened in Israel, but it was actually supposed to happen at the Dubai World Expo. Which, gosh, what was happening at the Dubai World Expo? That was where they were having their great narrative <laughs> event uh, with the World Economic Forum and other people involved with the Great Reset, um, which is a whole other incredibly creepy part of this whole Great Reset movement. Okay. Tell me the significance of what the Great Resetters were doing in this, in this war game. Right. So the reason why this is, I think, incredibly important is because what we've learned from studying the Great Reset is that the people who support this have for many years been laying the foundation for implementing this whole new system of essentially a China model of, of capitalism slash authoritarianism. 21st century fascism is how we phrase it in the book, and I think that's the best way to articulate it. It is. And what they've been looking for are crises that they can use to help move the ball forward on this. So climate change was something they've been trying for a very long time. They're still trying it. COVID came along, and that was the golden opportunity for them. But now, as you said in the lead-up to this, COVID is sort of fading, and they need something else. And what I think is going on with this war game is they're looking for uh, – uh, they're, they're testing out different ways where they could move the ball forward on the Great Reset uh, using various kinds of crises. And this one was cyber attacks. Now, if you remember earlier in 2021, there was that attack on the Colonial Pipeline where hackers literally uh, uh, made it in, uh, held, this, uh, held this gigantic pipeline in the United States ransom, one of the biggest pipelines in the world. And they were forced to, uh, the pipeline was forced to pay them in Bitcoin, basically, to get the access to the pipeline back. Um, and as soon as that happened, the World Economic Forum and others started rolling out this narrative of, there, the, this possibility that there could be this cyber pandemic, that's the phrase they use, cyber pandemic, that could shut down the entire global economy. And the only way that we would be able to fight this off is if we all coordinate and if we build this globalist sort of uh, multilateral movement to, to protect our financial institutions. Mm. It's the exact same kind of thing they were saying about pandemics prior to COVID-19. So they had this big war game meeting in earlier de in, in December. They've been planning it for a year. Major players from all over the world were there, including the International Monetary Fund, the United States sent a Treasury official there, Switzerland, Germany, the United Kingdom, United Arab Emirates. All of these people have been involved in the Great Reset in one form or another. Uh, the World Bank, Bank of International Settlements, and they ran a bunch of war games where uh, cyber attacks would uh, uh, occur that would on the financial system mixed with fake news this is what they said fake news 
that would cause people to lose faith in the financial system and that the only way that they could fix it would be for them to build these multilateral institutions or multilateral uh, frameworks that would help them come together to uh, stop these issues. They called it collective strength. Okay, now listen, Um, I want to quote some things here. The banks are appealing for emergency liquidity assistance in a multitude of currencies to put to a halt the chaos as counterparties withdraw their funds and limit access to liquidity, leaving the banks in disarray and ruin. The participants discussed multilateral policies to respond to the crisis, including a coordinated bank holiday, a bank holiday when they say coordinated throughout the entire West not just the Western Hemisphere, the entire West, all countries, uh, debt repayment grace periods, swap repro uh, agreements, and listen to this, coordinated delinking from major currencies. What does that mean? I think that means they're trying to figure out a way to roll out an international currency. That's what I think it means probably an international digital currency, which is something that people in the Great Reset Movement, like Mark Carney, who was heavily involved in many of these meetings that's been going on in Glasgow and elsewhere with the World Economic Forum, um, I believe that that's what they ultimately want and that they're looking for a way to try to make this happen. Uh, And I think that they're running different scenarios for how this could occur and these so-called cyber attacks and fake news uh, pro- the proliferation of fake news uh, causing some kind of financial catastrophe, supposedly, are some of the scenarios that they're thinking could be used as a way to roll out an international currency. I think that's the only way to understand what a coordinated delinking from major currencies is. What does that mean uh, to the to the average person, their savings, their salary, and everything else, if there's quote a major delinking? from major currencies? Well, what we've seen in the past is anytime there has been a switch to a currency, uh, when they've gotten rid of an old kind of currency and they've moved to a new sort of currency, and this is, every time we've seen this, this people lose 50% of the value of their money, essentially. That's, sometimes more. That's when, that's when uh, it happened with the gold certificates and the silver certificates. If you're my age, you might remember seeing silver certificates uh, that would from time to time kind of come through. uh, And it it meant that that dollar was linked to that amount of silver in the Fed Treasury or that amount of gold. We got rid of that currency, redesigned it, and we have a new currency. They delinked uh, dollar for dollar at that point and we people lost a lot of their savings a lot of the value you can go from 40 to i think it's as much as 65 percent but this one the treasury has already said that if a delinking or a currency changes this one will be based on social justice so if you're white and very very wealthy you might get 35 cents on the dollar but if you're, uh, you know, underprivileged in a wheelchair, only one eye uh, without a job, you might get a dollar ten for your dollar. 
redistribution of wealth. And that's directly from the Treasury. Right. And, and the digital and if it becomes a digital currency, which I think almost every person who's an expert is in following this uh, believes is the next phase. If there are going to move to an international currency, it's going to be some sort of digital currency. Then you'd be able to do all sorts of crazy social justice things because you'd be able to not only track how people are spending their money in a very centralized way, but you could actually control how people are spending their money because you could say, no, you can't spend your money on, say, a firearm or you can't spend your too much of your money uh, on white owned businesses or something like that. I mean, you could do stuff like that if you really wanted to. the, The most important thing here, Justin, is I don't think people understand that we are in um new modern monetary theory we're already doing that which is just print the money it doesn't matter just print the money but what everybody forgets is the second part of modern monetary theory the way to control inflation is to be able to control the companies which is part of the great reset being able to have a golden share on uh, you know the uh, boards of all of these companies, where the government can override the the chairperson and the shareholders and say our golden share says you're not going to make that car or you're going to make this car and you're going to make you know twice the amount you say. They not only control the companies, but they have to control how people spend their money, uh, and that's where digital currency is a is an absolute must yes that's exactly right there's no real way to micromanage an economy uh if there's any freedom at all in that in in that marketplace there's no way to micromanage it without a digital currency you need to have a digital currency to micromanage it and if you've been following the modern monetary theory movement which far left-wing groups have been involved with now for many many years um, it, it, it's, it's very clear that their only solution to the question of, well, how can we just print endless amounts of money without causing runaway inflation is we're going to build a superstructure that allows the government to micromanage every aspect of the economy through price controls and other things. And, and then that way, if energy prices are driving inflation and energy prices are getting too high, we can just turn the little dial in our command center in Washington, D.C. or in Davos or wherever, and we can lower the price of energy or we can control, take money out of the economy seemingly overnight. Well, how do you do that kind of stuff without having a digital? A digital currency makes all of that much easier to do, much more possible in a way that, that I think you could theoretically control the economy um, and maybe even help limit inflation to some extent. But the expense of that is going to be you're going to have absolutely no economic freedom at all. And this, I think, is the long term plan. And that's why they're wargaming all of this stuff out, because they're trying to figure out a way to get to that. But they can't just say, "Okay, everybody, uh, we're just going to switch currencies tomorrow. That's going to cause a massive financial collapse. It's going to cause panic. They need to have a justification for it. And the justification is that they're wargaming in this particular scenario is cyber attacks and fake news and misinformation and all of that. But I'm willing to bet they have a long list of other potential uh, crises that would lead them to the exact same conclusion, because this is where they need to go. They don't know exactly how they're going to get there, but I don't think. But this is where they need to end up with a global international digital currency or something like that. So there is a... 
There is a, uh, a paper out, Political Legitimacy, Authoritarianism, and Climate Change, that I think is pretty clear that it is arguing that we have to take climate action, and climate action uh, is over democracy. And if democracies fail to act on climate change, then authoritarianism is a must. Am I reading this right? No, you're absolutely reading this right. There's no doubt about it whatsoever. It goes back to what we were talking about in our previous conversation. Uh, People who are involved in the Great Reset Movement, people who are elites in academia, people who are involved with the International Monetary Fund, international banking systems, large corporations, they're trying to find justifications for expanding their power. And climate change is, although they have not successfully done this yet, especially not in the United States. Climate change is the greatest gift that they could possibly have uh, for making that happen. If they could figure out a way to, to get enough people to believe that, that climate change is essentially an a-, a giant Texas-sized asteroid heading towards Earth that's going to wipe us all out and destroy the world, and the only way to save us is to hand power over to elites to control and micromanage our society and economy, then they win. Then, then it doesn't matter what the Constitution says. It doesn't matter. What, uh, individual rights don't matter. Free market economics don't matter. None of that matters. So if you could just convince enough people to believe that idea, then you could actually have an authoritarian society or a so- so- at least a soft authoritarian society. And this is an incredible article that you're referencing from the American Political Science Review that essentially suggests in, in a major academic political science journal that we embrace authoritarianism as a way to stop the climate change catastrophe that's supposedly going to wipe us all out. Um, And it even references in the article that a, quote, salient example of this same idea of of needing to embrace authoritarianism to stop a crisis is the COVID-19 pandemic. And it says, during which uh, severe limitations on free movement and association have become legitimate techniques of government. And this is exactly why so many of us have been terrified and warning about what's been going on with COVID-19, because this is not how it all ends. It's not just about COVID-19. It's about what comes next and then what comes after that. And what is the we're on the road to tyranny right now, a road to authoritarianism. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. And climate change, if they could ever actually convince enough people to believe that it is the crisis that they say it is, it, it, it will be the key that unlocks every door that they've been wanting to open for decades and decades and decades, but haven't been able to figure out how to get free people in the United States to agree to go along. With it. Our first book uh, without the big publisher behind it, doing it ourselves, uh, is The Great Reset. It's available next week. Get it now. Order it online at Amazon or wherever you buy your books, but get it now. It's called The Great Reset by Glenn Beck, Joe Biden, and the rise of the 21st century fascism. The Great Reset. It arrives Tuesday next week. Na, 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 na.